to Stateside F1. I'm Joe Leonardo. And that guy making the sound of, I'm going to say, all of the Formula One cars testing, driving around. Wait, where was testing? I can't remember now. Bahrain International Circuit. Keep it in, keep it in. That That's amazing. The assist with Deviani. <laughs> yeah, honestly, she assisted this whole podcast, so that's staying in. We're talking everything Formula One. We have a very exciting guest with us today. Dave Yanni, F1 enthusiast, F1 content creator, hilarious on TikTok. She has my favorite quote from Formula One ever. I'm going to butcher this. Deviani, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Formula One is just a bunch of tax evaders driving around in circles. Basically, yeah, perfect. No notes. Wow. You could follow her at formula underscore dove. Give her a follow. Uh, thank you for being here. Of course. I'm so excited. What's your big thoughts on the new season, Drive to Survive, everything that's going on? So I binge watched Drive to Survive. I waited till 2 a.m. till it came out on Netflix. And I watched it straight, all 10 episodes. I sat in one place. Uh, and, wow. Um, I got a little stir crazy by the end. And I had to remember that I am not the target audience for Drive to Survive, so I'm going to have a lot of qualms with it, which is all right. Um, I found a lot lacking, but the little moments, the little tidbits like George Russell telling us Lewis Hamilton got everyone Jack Union tidy whities before Silverstone, like that made up for like not mentioning Interlagos at all. So, you know, it's 50-50 out here. I mean, Toto Wolf said it in the show. He goes, this is closer to Top Gun than it is a documentary. Yeah. And I, I feel like that line, it's, you know, in jest, but it, it kind of makes sense. It's it's more dramatized and it's definitely focusing on an, an American audience that's all about the characters and drama and everything, especially now that there's going to be three circuits happening here in America. But I, I kind of like it than just a straight documentary because we watch all the races. We ingest all the news. And there's this other part to Formula One that's like all character based and the the heightened drama. It's like we get to watch a fun little play about all the stories and characters that we follow throughout the year. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? No, I definitely think Drive to Survive has always been like a reality show. I just feel like this time they missed out on some really big highs. I do think that they tend to follow more teams and drivers earlier in the season. So a lot of the stuff at the end tends to get kind of forgotten in the chaos. Um, because like Brazil, they had a K-Mag poll, a George Russell maiden win, the Red yeah. Bull drama they didn't mention. And that's, I mean, the Checo Max drama could have been some great stuff. But I yeah. also think that Drive to Survive has started working with the teams to decide storylines and Max Verstappen's famous comeback, I'm sure had some stipulations on how they portray him. Um, like even Checo's episode, they, it's, I'm pretty sure they had some negotiations on how they're portraying everyone. Like they didn't mention the tractor um, stuff at Suzuka. So I'm sure they have rules of the FIA. So I think there's also some stuff missing because they want more access. Oh, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my wife about it. Um, I feel like they actually had less access. Uh, the previous, the 2022 season, they did the previous seasons because there's just a lot of generic shots, a lot more generic shots than behind the scenes footage. And I, I agree with every point you made. It does feel like it's a structured story as opposed to the teams dealing with trying to hold back information from Drive to Survive. It's more like, okay, here's what happened. Let's try to package this for Drive to Survive. They're like working with it as opposed to fighting against it, mm -hmm. which 
ends up kind of causing more drama and stuff. But yeah, yeah this feels like a little bit, there's more of a handshake going on. Also, I was like, I'm only six episodes in, but they just kind of passed by the whole Nick DeFries scenario of how he scored points. Latifi's not mentioned at all. Is, does he ever get brought up? Not really. Have you gotten to Alpha Male, the, that episode? The Yuki episode? Okay, because that's where they had most of the Nick DeVries stuff in the Yuki episode. But it was just a mention of his win. I'd figure, like, because that was from qualifying all the way to the race. I was literally, like, uh, hanging on by my fingernails just watching that race and, like, oh, mm-hmm. is he going to do it? And then that, that it felt like such a, you know, exciting race. And they just kind of had it as a piece, and they focused more on Nick DeVries coming in, like, so confident that Yuki's going to get destroyed this season because Pierre's not there to back him up, which, again, I get. We're, we're having more of like a character focus as opposed to like results focused documentary. It's yeah. It sounds like they're preparing us to watch the next season. So it's a sales pitch within the show. Agreed. They had a Hulk cameo at the end as well, which was like preparing us and K mag said his famous words. So, Oh man. Moving on to testing, obviously Red Bull looks unstoppable. If I was to predict right now, I feel like I can strongly suggest that Max Verstappen is going to win World Drivers Championship again. He's he's the new Alain Prost, the new professor. He's he's the bad he's the new guy. Professor, then here who's Ayrton Senna? Ayrton Senna. I mean, Senna has got to be Lewis. I feel like Lewis is too nice. Like Lewis is too. I guess you're right. Like numbers wise, yes. Actually, in terms of driving style, I would say Max is more like Senna in terms of how he sends it and how he's more precise about it, except he has a better mentality than Senna because Senna was very emotional and he didn't just want to win. He wanted to win by like 10 seconds. So he would end up crashing out. He has uh, like Alonzo vibes. Like (laughs) and Alonzo feels like he comes from that school. Like his whole personality is such a throwback. I'm glad he's still in. Formula One, just because like it, it goes back to like a more angels and demons era, I guess. He even in the show, Drive to Survive, he's like, there needs to be an, uh, a, like a bad guy and I'm the bad guy. Yeah. I mean, he's been the villain his whole his whole career. Ever since like Crashgate in 2008, he's been the villain. Oh, my God. Let's talk about Aston Martin. They yes. look awesome. Oh my gosh. Lauren Stroll is really cooking something in that new factory of theirs because... They were like in the top three, four, all like three days. And all of the pundits have them listed in the top five in their like world constructors ranking. So they're really cooking something. Yeah. Um, not Julian Palmer. Who's the other guy? Uh, not Brundle. Um, Will Buxton? Buxton. That's it. I always say Braxton. Buxton. Yeah. He puts him at third. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be an exciting, exciting race. I'm not a huge Lance Stroll fan, but... um. So is the world, I guess. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> but what what are you gonna do if Felipe just destroys it? Like, what if he Nick DeVries it for, and then Stroll shows up? I feel and, like Lawrence it would like fire his own son. Yeah, you think? <laughs> I could see it after all these. He's given such a big chance. Yeah, he funded his career. Yeah, yeah. If he goes succession style, maybe I guess very possible. That's a strange world where Lawrence Stroll fires his own son. Highly unlikely, but I guess if he's feeling particularly villainous. He would just make Lance Stroll like 
executive co-team principal or something. Yeah. He'd make up a role no, for he'll him. just buy Alpha Tari now that it's going to be on sale and let Lance drive there. Exactly. Or he'll, yeah, he'll strike a deal. He'll, uh, he'll go in with Andretti to buy the team on the stipulation that Lance drives. <laughs> Plenty of options. Lance isn't going anywhere. No, he's, he's not a bad driver either. He's just, he's just not good enough for Formula One. He should really do endurance. I do think last season he showed a lot of promise. Him and Alonso are going to be weirdly a good team. What? Because you think Lance comes from like you know the pish the you know the fancy pish posh world that Alonso is just so used to that they're both used to just being like assholes to each other. You know, Vettel has nothing bad to say about Stroll. No, actually, not a lot of people have anything bad to say about. Like drivers don't have bad things to say about Stroll for the most part. Wasn't he? Wasn't he banned from F three? Didn't he like do something in F three and got him banned? That was Dan. Dan, are you thinking of Dan Tickdom? I don't think Stroll was ever banned. I thought it was, thought it was uh, Lance Stroll. No, I'm thinking of the. Uh, are you thinking of the guy that was carting and literally threw his cart at someone and was banned from racing for twenty years or something? Uh, Lance. So Lance. Uh, yeah, F three antics earn a ban. Like a race ban or like banned from the series? Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. That was his problem. He missed F2. Yeah, just like Max, he skipped F2. I didn't realize Max skipped F2. Mm Mm-hmm. He had, he didn't even, I don't remember if he finished his F3 season at all. He just came straight to Tara Rosso. Because the super license restrictions were much different then. They changed it because of Max. Right, I remember that. Yeah, I mean, Kimmy. too young. Kimi Raikkonen too. He would. I think he only raced like seven other races before he got he into had, F1. He um, had in Formula Renault. He raced like I think it was twenty races between two years in Formula Renault. Mm-hmm. And then he got a test with Sauber with Peter Sauber. His like managers convinced them, and he in that test day he basically convinced them, and then he got his seat at Red Bull Sauber Petronas. Oh wow! That's that's that's. <laughs> That's a pot to stir that all those brands. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's getting around. Um, so it's from a crash. Apparently he was deemed guilty of causing a collision that eliminated Felix Rosnovich. Uh, he, apparently he pissed off stewards. So they banned yeah. him for the third and final race that weekend. So I guess it's race for a weekend. Okay. So yeah. just a race bin. That's nothing. Yeah. Okay. It could be worse. Yeah. Yeah, Pierre was almost on that last season, right? Didn't he get like he's a bunch still of- gonna be? Yeah. So he has ten penalty points, and I think it's twelve, and then you get a race ban. So it doesn't reset until like a, a cal like a calendar year after you get them. So he could still actually, if he gets two more points, he could That's have to. Hilarious. Which means so Jack Doohan would get a race. That might just f over. Oh, so he should get a race. Bringing uh, penalty points over to Alphatari. <laughs> Yeah, so a lot of people were saying that at the end, like last season, he should have gotten more penalty points and just missed out his last AlphaTauri race so he could reset them. That's a running joke. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess maybe I'm the blind Formula One fan. I never notice when it's they don't announce these uh, these penalty points. I wish they did. They um, cut like after the race, the stewards like will release these PDFs like on the FIA website mm-hmm. where they'll say all the penalties that occurred as well as like the final classification. And that's where they and usually like if it's one penalty point, no one cares. It's only when it's like Pierre and I think Alex has quite a few too. He has seven or something. So it's only when they're up there that people start taking notice, I feel like. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like I want someone to explain to me 
how you get these points, what what you do, and how do you avoid them? Because I know they're a thing. Pierre got points for speeding in Suzuka by the crane, right? Yeah, so basically the FIA, that was the FIA's fault, and they decided to blame him and make an example out of him. But I actually don't like the penalty points, and I don't like the um, adding seconds afterwards. I would just prefer it to be a drive-through penalty where they decide on track, okay, you have done this, so you got to – like in the old days, like back in – not old days, okay, (laughs) bad word – like – Back in the V8 era or whatever you want to call it, they used to just do drive-through penalties and yeah. they would just sit there in the, in the like pit lane for five seconds and then you could actually race properly. They would come back or whatever. Now it's like after the race, Charles gets a five-second penalty. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's whatever, I guess. Is there a distinction? Because they do hold in pit sometimes. So is there... Sometimes. Yeah. Is it So w- when does the distinction get made of they, they tack it on after to when they do it in the race? Is it at, after a certain amount of laps or when they make the decision? No, it just depends on what the stewards want to do or if they need more time to decide who was at fault or if they can't tell, like, then they'll just wait to do it afterwards so they have a more of a buffer. Um, I think now also they want to avoid backlash so they take more time to make their decisions. And it's like if you if you have a collision in lap three and you get a drive through in lap 50, then it like you have to establish drive throughs kind of immediately so that because otherwise it will affect the race negatively. I think now they've just basically prefer to do after race penalties, which is annoying, but it is what it is. Yeah. I'm glad what, uh, it's not Stefano Domenicali. Over the, over the past few months. Mohammed bin Suleiman. Yeah, him. Yeah, he was saying some weird stuff and now he stepped yeah. back, which I'm glad about. Uh, who put, when they put him in charge, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a ride. And I was right. It's actually funny enough how this went down because he was basically talking about the valuation of F1. He put it at 20 billion or something and he was like tweeting about it. And mm-hmm. then suddenly, like a couple weeks later, these old tweets resurface and his old personal website from 21 years ago, I think. And like where he made the remarks about like women thinking they're smarter than him or whatever. Uh, um, okay. Like they resurfaced oh, after Jesus. he pissed off F1 and Liberty, which I thought was really funny because karma's going to get you. <laughs> Oh my god. That sounds that... like someone did some oppo research on him. <laughs> yeah. So. I'm sure they've had that in a file somewhere. It's so funny because in Drive to Survive you had that whole issue with the cost cap and then he uh had a meeting with Horner and he told him he's like, You have no friends here but me. Yeah, craziness. Horner is he's just such a bad guy. He's just such he's such an egomaniac. Funnily enough, I'm not, a, I don't know if there are Christian Horner fans. I'm definitely not one. But this season on Drive to Survive, the way that he was more of a Charles, like Charles Leclerc fan than Charles Leclerc's own team principal was hilarious to me. He was like, Ferrari have hung him out to dry again. I can't believe they didn't pit him. Like, like I thought the GPS was wrong when he went past us. Like he and Max were more go Charles than Mattia and all the Ferrari. Mattia's the worst vibe ever i would hate to have him as a boss he just seems like he doesn't I he's feel a like numbers it, guy uh, uh, yeah i feel like part of it is you have to kind of like you have to kind of be like a coach and give like you have to be inspirational and the guy is dry like a desert his personality just seems like almost like a disappointed father all the time <laughs> i mean he's just a he's just like an engineer's engineer like that he i don't think he was ever supposed to be team principal they just had so many people in and out that he was the next highest guy i mean he's been there for like 
since the Schumacher days now. So he was like the only one it could be unless they got someone from outside. Um, So I I think what they've got now is going to work. I'm a Charlotte Claire fan through and through. So I got to believe I got to hope. Oh my gosh. I I am even putting in my candidacy to be his new girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I think he has one. I think you're a little late. I mean, come on. It's like, of course it makes sense. Someone would scoop him right back up. Andrew, soon enough, you'll be next in line. I'll oh, yeah. Chance, I'm sure. I mean, d- don't worry. When Lando Norris, well, Lando Norris is single right now. Don't worry. When he, uh, after his metamorphosis, he'll he'll know what he needs. And I, I got it. I for think him. he's going through it right now. I saw some insane Instagram pictures of him on a beach today. I Working don't know what's out, going on. shirtless. Yeah, yeah I was same. like, someone's learning from the Lewis Hamilton, Pierre Gasly school of thirst traps. <laughs> yeah, or the George Russell, just shirtless pics all the, the time. The shirtless. Oh, my God. Everybody's. Riding the shirtless bandwagon. It's crazy. Hi, everybody. Joe Leonardo here. And this is Andrew Berger. Along with being the hosts of Stateside F1, Andrew and I are audio engineers with thousands of hours of podcast experience. Between the both of us, we've worked with a wide variety of companies from Google to Discovery as editors, mixers, sound designers, and even social media managers. If it's a companion podcast for a TV show or just a hobby among friends, we can help you with your podcast. Feel free to reach out to us at statesideF1 at gmail.com. I have a coworker who's also a big Formula One fan. He's been on the he's been mm-hmm. on the show. Hilarious guy. He <laughs> he like he can't look at George Russell's face. He just can't. He just can't <laughs> stand looking at him. He said his just his eyes are too big and blue for him. He's just he looks like an alien to him. There's an unca- there's an uncanny valley an with alien? his appearance. Like he almost looks like a character from the Polar Express. That movie. Like there's something <laughs> off. The animated movie. Yeah. Polar like as in that he's kind of uncanny looking to look at, and I completely get it. He almost looks like like an alien designed a human to come here. To like, this is what humans look like. He almost oh looks God. like too perfect, but also like weirdly wrong, if that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, he's he's like modern cubism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, George Russell, he belongs in the MoMA. <laughs> you know what I mean? And also oh his person, I think his personality to me just feels a little like there's like the dials are tweaked. Like they're not calibrated or something. He feels like he's designed, like he has too much media literacy and he's just too perfect, if that makes sense. So a lot of people compare him, compare his media personality to Nico Rosberg, who's also very similarly polished and says all the right things to, so Nico Rosberg is this thing, he's multilingual and he would say different things to each reporter in a different language based on what he thinks Germans want to hear or what English speaking people want to hear what the French want to hear. And George Russell does a very similar thing as well, where he's, I think a lot of it is just like these people, these guys like grow up doing this. They start getting media training from when they're like seven, eight, nine, ten, if they're in those junior programs. And I think it's just how they're taught to speak, but he's, he doesn't speak out of pocket much unless you like watch his Twitch streams over COVID where he was particularly funny. Um, He's very, he's very, Calculated makes it seem like he has bad intentions, but that's the only word I can think of. He's very well spoken too. He like he know always knows when to like 
walk back what he's saying. I think a couple of days ago at testing, he was talking about how last year he and Lewis were getting headaches. But when you say things like headaches, the FIA have to like investigate because it's like a medical problem. So he immediately like started walking it back in front of the reporter, like on live broadcast, like, oh, no, not headaches. We were just having some pain. Like he's very intelligent like that, I feel. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's the game. Definitely. There's a lot of future greatness in him. You can tell he's hungry and I think he's with the right team. He landed in the right spot. He, Yeah, it was a matter of time. We all knew it was going to happen. I think he probably got, um, I think he got a real lesson in like media behavior when he was uh, filling in for Lewis during for at Mercedes when he had COVID back in 2020. That's secure, yeah. Yeah, I remember um, George, he was like, you know, divulging, you know, at the end of the race, George was just like talking his engineer's ear off, like, oh, this could have been, ha- this could have, like, this was our shot, we had it, this blah, blah, and his engineer's like, George, like, save it for, yeah, exactly, like, stop talking. <laughs> the radios are live broadcasted, George. But he is a reckless driver at times, too, like, there's that part of his personality as well. He could it's war crimes. I love it. Yes. I support George Russell's rights as much as I support his wrongs. Um, when he almost He's killed great. Botas like three years ago, <laughs> and then proceeded to yell at him. Yeah, I think I think Botas is finally his. I think he's checked out of Formula One. I feel like he's doing better. He's gotten so many more. I don't know about on track, but off track, he's definitely gotten more popular. Oh, big time! Yeah. The mullet and everything, and I. Uh, I was listening to a podcast. I forget which podcast. And they were saying, like, if he went back to Mercedes, he would perform better now than he did before. Like, I feel like his confidence and him being kind of the team leader at uh, Alfa mm. Romeo, like, he's having a moment right now. He, he see, you know, so maybe he hasn't checked out. It just looks like it to me. But maybe that just I think means... he's just having more fun and he looks less miserable yes. than he did at Mercedes. Yes, I, I, I strive off miserable people. <laughs> <laughs> it's an East Coast thing. Being in New York, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of miserable, um, we mentioned Lando. What do we think about McLaren, the whole Oscar Piastri uh, in Lando situation? How do we think that team's going to go go on this season? So last week, you guys, or whenever you record your last podcast, I think you guys said that you thought Oscar was going to beat Lando. Yes. Yeah. I still, like, I still believe it. Decisively, you still, you think he's decisively going to beat him? Well, I always make decisive claims on the podcast, and then I edit it, and I go, Ugh. but you know <laughs> what? I have to seem like I'm confident in my decision because making. I just want to know why, what, like, what's the thought process behind that? I was really curious when I was listening. So this whole thing of like Lando has to become like a team leader now, and all this stuff, and I think there's going to be a lot of competition between Lando and Oscar, and I think Lando does better when someone else is crumbling mm. and all the pressure being on him, he, he might crumble a bit Yeah, and they got, they don't have the car, but that's not between the both of them. Yeah. That is whole. I think it's so funny that they just don't have the car because what a interesting, like Daniel, like Daniel doing bad, right? Daniel's brought in and he did horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And Lando did great, well, but I feel like, with the pressure on him being the quote-unquote team leader now, can he handle that pressure and can he perform? With Oscar, as the rookie, there aren't the expectations like there are on someone like in Lando's position who is not as new and is the experienced one of the two. Am I saying a whole lot of nothing? 
No, I, I see what you're saying. I think because I think the opposite is true. I think Lando is pretty comfortable at where he is in McLaren. He has a who knows, God knows how long his contract is. I think it's 2025, 2026 or something. He just extended like last year or the year before. I think Bad Oscar move. has a lot more. I know. Um, I think Oscar has a lot more expectation because of the whole Piasco situation. A lot of people who didn't follow F2, like if you knew him from junior categories, you knew he was a good, like he's a wagon driver. He won Formula Euro for F3 and F2 in a row as rookie. Like that's pretty uncommon. But people who didn't know him through that just found out about him as like rejecting a seat at, at Alpine and taking a McLaren seat and taking Daniel's seat, which a lot of people were upset about. And I feel like because of that, he has a lot of expectation. I think out of the rookies people, he has the most to lose in terms of people like he, like he turned down a seat and they chose him over Daniel. He's got to be really good. Like I think in that, in that sense, Nick DeVries and Logan Sargent have an easier battle in terms of the expectations game where people how they expect them to perform. And I also think that, I think that Oscar Piastri, he's actually, he has a pretty cool demeanor. He seems pretty calm. And so because of that, I think he'll still perform well. But I think in terms of public perception, maybe not their team's perception, but public perception is definitely like, who is it? Who does this kid think he is kind of thing? Yeah. I think people have a very short attention span. And I think the whole, 100%. um, Alpine incident and the McLaren, you know, with the suing and the, the everything and all that stuff. I think people have forgotten it or are on their yeah, way. Yeah, we're to over it. it. And it literally, after the first race, it is just like, what have you done lately? I think, well, I think we'll see how it pans out because, um, from my experience, Daniel Ricardo fans and Sebastian Vettel fans, as I am one of them, um, do not have short memories. Those fan bases are very, like, particular and i'm not gonna say cult like because i'm a huge dan ricardo fan too um but like i think they are so much more like brand savvy than other racers we're like oscar piastri i'm not thinking of him as a person i'm thinking of like oh the mclaren driver where yeah. like daniel ricardo it doesn't matter where he red bull you know alpine uh Renault, whatever but uh McLaren. that's because that's because Daniel Ricardo has been around in Formula One for 12 years. And oh, and in the beginning, you would have said the same thing about him. Oh, he's just a oh, Red yeah. Bull junior kid. Like in 2011, when you saw him, you'd be like, Sebastian Vettel is a Red Bull driver. Daniel Ricardo is just the kid who's at Toro Rosso right now or sure. wherever he was. So I think yeah. he, he needs time to establish that personality. Like if you... If you like follow F two F three and you consume the like the Prema content, you'll you'll know a little bit about Oscar's pers- like personality or whatever they're pretending is their personality. Whoever <laughs> we're consuming content nowadays. Um, so I think as he does the challenges and as he interacts with Lando, like I think a lot of fans who, I mean, a lot of people don't have access to watch the races, and that's a whole nother problem. But a lot of people mm. who don't actually watch the full race or um, are like on their phones while they're watching the race are more interested in the human interest side of things. Like, like if you're saying personality, friendships, rivalries, like the mythology, the lore, all of that. So I think in that sense, he has more of a clean slate, but also compared to the other rookies, he does not Plus he has Mark Webber managing him. So he's got a lot of chaos in him. (laughs) Do you have predictions for Bahrain podium? Uh, Joe does. I don't. I honestly, I don't. <laughs> Are you a believer in the curse, though? In the round one curse? So, whoever wins the Bahrain Grand or the first race of the season will be second in the Drivers' Championship, and whoever comes second will win. 
which has been the trend since 2017. I want Lewis to come in second. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your top three? Oh, my God. Um, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to say Max Verstappen wins Bahrain. Charles Leclerc comes second. Um, and then Lewis Hamilton comes third. Ooh, I don't see Mercedes. I, I'm like, maybe because the whole side pod thing of like their car is completely different than everybody else's car. And they're like, we're Mercedes. We don't we don't follow the trends. It's like, dude, it's not about following trends. It's about like, winning nobody's races. doing this because it's not working. I mean, I'm counting on George taking out Carlos and Checo. <laughs> George is going to drive backwards and just take out cars. And they'd be like, they hit me. And third place will be a fight between Lewis and Fernando, like the old days. That's what I've written down. I that, have yeah. I have Max one, uh, Leclerc second, uh, Alonso third. Oh, man. All right. I think it could happen. And if he wins a race this season, if Aston Martin's that good, or if something like the two championship title contenders take each other out and Alonso wins a race, he'll also break the 300 race curse. So because all the drivers who've reached 300 races have not won after that. If anyone's going to break it, it's going to be him. Or Lewis, I what's, guess. But. What's Lewis's number? Um, I think now he's at 302, so he could break it as well this season, but I don't know about how Mercedes is going to fare. So we'll see. Thank you for listening to Stateside F1. And big thank you to our guest today, Dave Yanni. Follow her on TikTok. She is full of information and great Formula One content at formula underscore dove on tiktok please like comment subscribe on apple podcast spotify or wherever you get your sweet sweet podcast content follow us on instagram at stateside f1 and tiktok at stateside f1 podcast and feel free to dm us send us memes comments questions suggestions etc we will respond and follow you back see y'all next week bye